This is Messy Can't Stop Her, and I am your host, Judith Cambia Obatissa, J.K.O. Welcome to this episode of Messy Can't Stop Her, a podcast where we share the stories of women who did not let life's chaos life's challenges around them stop them from reaching for more it's the podcast where we encourage women we inspire those who may see their lives as so messy and are no longer able to dream these stories tell you that you can still hold on to your dream and your dream can become a reality actually sooner than later Today on the podcast, we have Shannon Clank. She is the finally effing happy minister. I am finally effing happy. All of us. I can show you how to be finally effing happy too. (laughs) Yeah, she shares -hmm. shares the stardust of Mm -hmm. happiness around the world, Mm -hmm. inspiring women, lifting people from despondency and despair, giving them hope for a better tomorrow, for a better future, and setting them free from the chains of the past that hold them bound. Welcome, Shannon. It's good to see you today. So good to see you, beautiful. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So according to Shannon's biography, I'm just going to read the first four words. Oh, I'm so excited. The first five words. (laughs) In her bio, bio. Shannon is a kick ass. Mm, It's true. I don't know what that means. So, Shannon, what do you mean by you're a kick ass? I am a kick ass, can do woman who happens to live with a chronic illness. And my community, Finally F and Happy, supports women who live with chronic illness. And kick ass means that, so in Finally F and Happy, I say that happiness is a place where all emotions are welcome. And some people might say, well, how is anger happiness or how is sadness happiness? It's this place where I know that anger and sadness and frustration and disappointment or giddiness or joy or playfulness, like none of those emotions actually have the power to take me out anymore. They don't have the power to take me down anymore. And for a long time in my adult life, they tried to, for sure. And so this this kick-ass can-do energy is very determined not necessarily focused because I'm a little scatterbrained much of the time, (laughs) but I am not about to let chronic illness. I am not about to let a childhood of trauma. I am not about to let bad relationships define my life. They're a part of my life. They're a part of my story. They will always be a part of my story, but they don't need to define my today. Awesome. I love that. And there goes the beginning of this conversation. These three things she talked about, chronic illness, Mm -hmm. bad relationships, and what was the third one? 
traumatic childhood. And traumatic childhood mm-hmm. will not define Shannon. So traumatic childhood, mm-hmm. chronic check. illness, check, bad relationship. Oh, check. I've done many mm-hmm. of those. That's a tent, a tentacle. Mm-hmm. Tentacles of challenges. Yeah. Yeah. That can pull us down. Yeah. So I want Shannon to please go back to the past before you started this ministry of finally effing happy. Mm-hmm. You were going through, you were in that mess. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that mess. Well, there are lots of messes I can tell you. I think the piece that is most impactful, particularly for your audience, because I just love the title of your podcast, because I have done it so incredibly messy. I mean, messy, messy, messy. I've done it messy. And it's been okay. It's been absolutely okay. And so I can go back to the place where I was pregnant with my son. I was coming out of my first marriage to a man who was being unfaithful in our marriage. And although I could blame it all on him, it was really unhealthy all the way around. And so there I was, I found myself as a single mom at, I was maybe 23, 24. I had this little baby and I was still pretty much a baby myself in a lot of ways. And as I, as I held this little boy in my hands, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, when we're in our early twenties, we have such visions of what we want our life to be and who we think we are and our dreams, whether they're career or family, or we want to run a marathon or whatever our dreams are at that time. And I held this little precious being and I said, the most important thing that I need to do in my lifetime is to raise a man who isn't angry, is to raise a man who isn't violent. It wasn't like, oh, I have this baby now. No, I'm going to raise this baby into a man. And what I knew intuitively was that um, I had so much anger still about my childhood. And I couldn't fake that. I couldn't teach him to not be angry and be so angry myself. And hence, my trauma recovery journey began. And it began probably, you know, when I I say to my son today, he's now 26. He is the love. He is just charming in every way, if I do say so. Um, He is. He's just he's he's a really good human being. But I have since said to him and apologized and said, you know, you had to grow up with me. And and I'm sorry, you didn't have a fully baked mom. You know, and I don't know how many of us actually do get a fully baked mom. (laughs) You know, I don't know how many people are that lucky that their moms are really solid and secure by the time that they're born. But I've said to him, you didn't get a fully baked mom. And you I you sort of grew up with me. Right. I started my trauma recovery and I started to grow up and and as he was growing up. Um, And so through those years, it became really important for me to not let those old messages win. Mm. 
So I really believed that I was lower than whale poop. I won't swear on your podcast. I swear (laughs) on my podcast, but I won't swear on yours. (laughs) And so, I mean, I really believed that I wasn't worth the space I took up, but I was also crazy determined to not let that win. Hmm. So now I'm going to fast forward. So that I was like 23, 24 years old. I'm now going to fast forward to 40. So between 23 and 40, I had moments of great joy. I had moments of great peace of mind. I had moments of happiness and quote unquote success. I also had you know, body heaving, sobbing as I was recovering from trauma. I mean, you name it, I've done it. I've taken a bat to a padded room. I've done hypnosis. I've done therapies. I've done, I mean, you name it, I've done it. And so I had some really painful moments and some really wonderful moments all in the midst of, right, getting him to school every day, packing lunch, paying the bills, doing all the things that we do every day. So fast forward to 40, I'm now coming out of another unsuccessful relationship. And despite all that work that I had done, I was still walking around with the suicide hotline number in my pocket going, if this is what this is all worth, if this is where we land, I don't, I don't want to, I want to be here. I don't want to be here. I've worked too hard to be here. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really began this journey into what is partly the school of positive psychology or what I call the science of happiness. Now, I won't talk so much. There is a thing about toxic positivity, right? I'm I'm, I'm not a toxically positive person. Actually, quite the contrary, that there are scientifically researched actions, that if I take these actions on a regular basis, that I am more likely to access this thing called happiness. You might call it deep contentment. Some days I just refer to it as being comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. And that if I do those things consistently and in a certain way, I'm going to feel more comfortable in my own skin. I'm going to be able to see beauty and joy regardless of what's going on around me and regardless of how I'm feeling in my body that day, given that I have a chronic illness. And I thought that is a whole bunch of hooey. There is no way that some of these super simple actions, there's no way it could be true. There's just no way. So I sort of made myself my own little science of happiness experiment. (laughs) And I would take some of these activities that they would suggest, whether it's doing a gratitude list in a specific way or intentional acts of kindness or going on what's called an awe walk. Um, And there's a handful of them. And I would do them and I would journal write about them and I would keep track of them. And oh my gosh, lo and behold, it worked. It worked. And the outsides of my life, my finances didn't necessarily immediately get better. My relationships didn't necessarily immediately get better. My housing situation didn't necessarily immediately get better. 
but all of a sudden it was all kind of okay. And then once I got okay with what was, like really genuinely, truly got okay with what was, that's when the miracles started happening. That's when those serendipitous introductions to this person or that person or that business opportunity or that's when those miracles started happening. Wow. So, (laughs) wow. I remember when we were talking and you said you had done lots of therapy mm-hmm. and it hadn't, it hadn't made it. I mean, it hadn't stopped you from having the suicide hotline in your back mm-hmm. pocket. And so many times when you talk to people, maybe you're going through a hard time. Next thing is go and talk to a therapist. And for someone like me at this point, I don't want to talk to any therapist anymore because I'm all talked out. Mm-hmm. And I feel that no matter how well-intentioned a therapist may be, it's the work you do yourself mm-hmm. that will actually help you. Yeah. So if the therapist tells you all the good stuff and you don't do anything and you just keep going once a week or thrice a week or how many times you go to see the therapist, it's not going to change your life's situation. Mm-hmm. So I would like you to um, talk about the moment where the change happened for you, where it wasn't about you talking, but now about you taking responsibility to do. You know, it was um, during that time when I was 40 and I was in that really dark depression. And I would say, and I will put a plug in and say, therapy has its time and place. And it is very important. If any of your listeners are, um, in a depressive or bipolar or suicidal situation or considering harm of any kind, absolutely reach out to professionals. That is absolutely. They, and I, I learned, I learned a lot of information about how my brain worked and how emotions worked and I learned a lot from that therapeutic process, but when I was 40, it wasn't the thing to your point that was getting it done. And so I needed to take action and I needed to take responsibility for my action or not as the case may be. Mm -hmm. And so what did that mean? That meant, and part of what I do in my work is I have there's a track within Finally F and Happy that is all about self-care. I am a huge proponent. I take it very literally that I have to put my own oxygen mask on first, or you can't pour from an empty jug. And so I have to fill up my tank. And what that looks like is even on the days that I don't want to get out of bed because my depression is so great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a commitment to someone to at least walk around the block or I'm going to get up and I'm going to drink a little six ounce glass of water, or I'm going to call a girlfriend and say, I'm so depressed. I don't want to get out of bed today, right? I'm going to take one of these actions toward my self-care, even if I don't feel like it, right? So me feeling like taking those actions is not the thing that's required. It really isn't required. Mm -hmm. And so 
that moment, you ask when that moment came. And I, um, I played this game with myself. And this is not in the science of happiness. This is really personal to my story. But I played this game with myself. And I would set a timer. And I would say, for five minutes, you are going to imagine. And whatever your spiritual, to your listeners, whatever their spiritual take is, right? I'm going to use the word God. And if you're offended by the word God, put whatever word in works for you. Universe, spirit, beauty, love quantum physics, whatever word, my dog, right? Whatever word works for you to symbolize this power, this energy, this spirit that's bigger than ourselves. And I said to myself for five minutes, I am going to pretend like I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have absolute certainty that this God, this divine wisdom, this infinite compassion that exists out in the universe is leading me to the absolute best days of my life. I know that for certain. It's sort of like I know we're having beef stew with fresh baguette for dinner. Like that's what we're having for dinner tonight. I don't question it. I don't worry about it. It is factual. So what if I knew with that sense of certainty that this God, this divine wisdom, this infinite compassion was leading me to the absolute best days of my life? And I didn't question it. So for five minutes, I would set the timer and I would just, how would I show up differently in life if I knew that, right? That hideous traffic I was sitting in was like, so I got to sit in traffic for the next six months in order to get to the best days of my life. I'm in. I can do this for six months. Or I got to pack one more lunch. Oh my gosh, I can pack a lunch. I am on my way to the very best days of my life. Oh, I got to figure out how to pay these bills. I don't have enough money to pay these bills. I got to do this again. I got to figure out how I'm going to get enough of the bills paid to not have the collector's call. But I know for certain that I am on my way to the very, very, very bestest days of my entire life. Oh my gosh, I can figure this out. Let's get it done. Chop, chop. We're going to get them done. And then we're going to go on and have a good evening because I'm on my way. Wow. Wow. And I would play that game with myself. Now, there's part of me that was like, all right, (sighs) if this is just imagination, uh, whatever. I mean, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not hurting anything. I'm not hurting myself. And so I started with five minutes and then I could do 10 minutes. And then I would play this game for the entire 30 minute drive to work. And that little window of time where I would just bathe myself in this imaginary idea that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this God, this infinite compassion, this divine wisdom was leading me to the very best days of my life that I, I I actually started feeling that day in and day out, day in and day out. Now, I will tell you that that part of my journey, okay, this is going to sound a little depressing. It took about a year. Like it didn't happen in a week. It didn't happen in a month. It didn't happen in a 12-week workshop. <laughs> it, it took some commitment because I was in a pretty dark place. I was in a pretty dark place. Uh, And sometimes we're in a dark place. It takes us a long time to get out. But man, we want to get out fast. Our culture, we're like, I want to get out fast. I want to 
can you condense the 12 week, you know, course so that I can do it in six and then I'm going to feel better and everything's going to be, you know, roses and rainbows forever. Oh gosh, this is so sweet. What you just shared, I am literally flying off my seats with joy. How easy it is for me to take five minutes and actually set a timer. Mm-hmm. And imagine that everything around me happening is actually leading me. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my path mm-hmm. to the very best that life has to offer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just the thought of it. As you mm-hmm. were saying it, I was lifted. So imagine that I am the one doing it. I'm hearing that you did it and I'm excited and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So being happy in life mm-hmm. isn't hard. It's not no, because it's not. of our lives being perfect. Correct. I would say it's, it's, it's simple. Hmm. Right? It's simple. It's sort of like bread. Bread is super simple. Bread is flour and yeast and maybe a little bit of oil. Like it's super simple. Yet it is ubiquitous all over the world. Every culture, every background, every everywhere in the world has some form of their cultural bread. It's everywhere. Right? And so this, this idea that happiness, it, it is, it's everywhere. It's very simple. But it, it does have a process to it. Like making bread, there's a process to it. You've got to set your yeast first and then you mix your ingredients and then you have to let it sit some more. And so if you have these very simple ingredients, but you don't know what to do with them, you don't get bread. You know, you get like a Frisbee. I've tried it. You do. You get like a Frisbee. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about doing it messy, right? (laughs) Totally. But if you have these simple ingredients and you know the really simple steps, it, it, it is, it's simple, but It does, it takes action. So it's not easy. You know, when when you are feeling completely deflated financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, parentally as a parent, just when you're feeling deflated in every way, you know, sometimes it's really hard just to get up and take a shower, right? Like some days my success was, I took a shower and I drank an eight ounce glass of water. Wow. But what I learned to do was to celebrate that. Was to celebrate that. As opposed to, Shannon, you are a hardworking, like super smart woman. You should be able to do much more than that, right? Mm -hmm. So like the beating ourselves up part. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. No, no, thank you. I hear you. Thank you for your participation. Have a seat. Can I get you a cup of tea? We're going to let the kind and loving part of Shannon respond now. And the part of Shannon that would say, way to go, you. You got up, you took a shower, you drank an eight ounce glass of water, and you didn't even want to get out of bed. And so celebrate. I mean, seriously celebrate the baby steps, the little successes, because it's the little stuff that can be so incredibly hard. Yes, it is. So you... I have two questions. So let me ask the first one. Mm-hmm. 
The first one is about this uh, celebrating our successes, those little tiny steps. Mm-hmm. When you talk about that and you describe the negative talking part of us and the positive talking part of us, and many times the negative is winning. That's why we're very sad. So, but this process helps the positive to, to win, I believe. So the main challenge to our state of mind is who is winning, the negative or the positive. Mm-hmm. In your own experience, working through the messy, life wasn't perfect. You were a single parent. You had financial challenges, shelter, everything. Everything was happening together at the same time. And mm-hmm. it had been going on for a while, from one relationship, the next one, and all that. How did you combat? I know you kind of described it to us. Can you just break that down a little bit more about making the positive voice more um, listened to or listening more to that positive voice or giving the stage more to that positive voice? It's so easy. And I think it's a default. That's allowing the negative. You just keep, you just find yourself in a, in in this mm-hmm. unending cycle of negative thinking, mm-hmm. beating yourself up. How how did you combat that? Because I know it didn't take a like you said it's like a year or two years. But how did how how did you continue that process? Sure, and I will say that it's still very much a work in progress. It's something that you know comes and goes in waves, and I still use these same tools today for myself as well as the tools that I teach to the people that I coach and support and practice with the people that I coach. And so really specifically, 15, 20 years ago, I started doing some work with a man by the name of Marshall Rosenberg. And Marshall Rosenberg has since passed on, but he started a movement called Nonviolent Communication. And one part of his communication method this NVC, as it's known, is about self-empathy. And it was doing this self-empathy work that actually I learned, and I'll walk you through like really rudimentarily these steps. I learned how to take that negative voice, actually listen to it. I had spent my life trying to shut up that voice. And make it go away. But the voice actually just needed to be heard. Just like me, I need to be heard. And I felt like I had never been heard. That voice was just asking to be heard. And so sometimes in conjunction with people who were familiar with this form of communication and or a friend or some other person, and then eventually on my own, I would give that voice the stage, the negative one. And I would say to that negative voice, I'm here. What do you want to tell me? What do you want me to hear? Tell me, what do you want me to hear? Okay. So I'm going to use this example. You are so lazy. You don't get anything done. I can't believe that you haven't gotten this done. Okay. And that tell me more, tell me more. Because if you don't get this done, then you're going to be exhausted later. And if you're exhausted later, then you can't do this stuff with the kids. And then the kids get mad at you. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Tell me more. So I let that voice talk itself out. 
Now, sometimes people do this in journal writing. Some people can do this in a talk therapy format, whatever that is. But I let the voice talk. And then I say to that voice, what needs, and a lot of us don't even know what our needs are. Needs are different than feelings. Hmm. What needs are you trying to fulfill, to get met for us? What needs? And a lot of time the needs are protection. The needs are connection, love. The needs are safety. Mm-hmm. The needs are having enough energy to be able to contribute in the world the way that I would like to show up in the world, right? So that voice, that negative voice is trying to meet a need for me. And if I can step back and listen to it and identify that need, the need in of itself to contribute, to have safety, to be able to provide for my family, like the need in and of itself is beautiful. It is exquisite. It is a divine part of me. Mm -hmm. And so from that place of giving the negative voice a place to be heard and a little bit of love, I can say, thank you for sharing. Thank you for trying so hard to protect me. But I have some bad news. Your strategy for protecting me Mm. actually isn't protecting me anymore. I so thank you. I thank you for how hard you've tried to protect us. And stick around like you're not shunned from the community of the voices in my head. (laughs) (laughs) You're part of me. But have a seat, grab a hot cocoa, cup of tea, whatever you need. And and we're going to let this other voice, this other part of me, take the stage now. Hmm. And let's listen to that voice. And then that voice can share with me her strategy to meet that same need. Now, in that process, there's frequently sadness. There's frequently frustration. There's frequently disappointment. Sometimes there's outright anger. Hmm. Right? So each one of those need to be heard along the way too. So in the beginning, this process can take some time. And most of us women say the number one thing we don't have is time. But I promise you it's worth it because I get to the other side of this process. And this is so far beyond affirmation. It's so far beyond affirmation. Because the the turnaround, if you will, that comes out the other side is really authentic to me. It's authentic to me. And so when I say whatever that turnaround is, I worked on something this morning and I will tell you that um, and what I worked on this morning was around. So because of my chronic condition, I frequently have very low energy and that's frustrating. And what came out of that was, some real sadness about the fact that I've actually spent my whole life like this. Mm. And as a result, I tend to get sort of overprotective of my energy, 
which sometimes keeps me from doing things that I really want to do. And so anyways, in this journey, I know it probably won't make sense to someone who's listening because I'm giving the really short version, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm talking about my to-do list and what spits out the other side of this process, this like sausage making machine of feelings and needs and negative and positive voices, which I call befriending your inner critic. What came out the other side is I am love. That's what came out the other side is I am love. Not, I'm going to have a super great productive day, (laughs) which is a very wonderful affirmation if that feels genuine for you. Mm -hmm. But this this process for me was about my sense of self-identity. And when I embraced, I am love. I am also someone who has low energy and I am love. I was like, hot dang, let's get on with our day. That's good. That part of me that was sad and disappointed and frustrated, gone, gone. It's like magic, like pixie dust. Wow. I'm glad you talked about the issue of time because I was going to ask you how long it will take because we want it done very quickly. We have so many, we have so many things to handle as women. And we just don't have the time to spend so much time having this conversation with Miss Negative and then Miss Positive. Mm-hmm. But you're saying we just have to keep trying. We do. And I find so for me, I found a circle where I could learn this skill. Right. Hey. And I, I offer a circle where women can learn this skill and come set set aside a time to learn the skill. Mm-hmm. And then I now do this skill throughout my day. I do have my prayer and meditation time in the morning. And sometimes I'll have some prayer and meditation time later in the day. But um, but I'll do it throughout my day. I'll do it while I'm cooking dinner. I'll do it while I'm folding laundry. I'll do it while I'm... Right? Oh. It can be ultimately incorporated into your day. So, I mean, I love it when I have time to sit down and quietly reflect and do this process. But who really has that kind of time all the time? Yeah. So um, in the show notes, we'll have a, a finally effing happy. Mm-hmm. We'll you can find me everywhere. I'm finally effing happy. <laughs> yes. We'll have the links to Shannon's contact so that you can contact her about the group. She's got groups where you can learn the skills because I want to learn the skills myself. Mm-hmm. I need them. And um, it's so easy to find. You just to, you look back at life and find out for the last three decades you've been struggling, you've been sad. Right. And what's the point? I think life is a privilege mm-hmm. and it ought to be enjoyed. However, I don't know how we all got to be this way where most of our lives are spent. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So um, one of the day-to-day techniques that I use, particularly when I'm feeling just um, not as connected and tuned in to my appreciation and gratitude as I would like to. And it's really mm-hmm. simple. Instead of saying, I have to pack lunches today, or I have to pay the bills, to, or I have to pay this bill today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or I have to call this family member today, um, is to just literally say out loud, I get to. Mm. I get to pack lunches today. Hmm. I get to pay this bill today, or I get to pay a portion of this bill today, or I get to call this family member today, right? Like 
I don't know about you, but it sounds so simple, but truly one of the biggest pain in my butts is figuring out what everyone's going to eat. Right. So like, what are we having for dinner? Who cares? Right. Like figure it out. You are all totally capable human beings. However, (laughs) that doesn't go very well. Um, Mm -hmm. not for them, but it also doesn't go well for me to be quite honest. It's not just about the fact that it doesn't go well for them. So the idea of, okay, um, every week I come up with, all right, well, I know my week goes better when I write out a menu Mm -hmm. and and see what's in the freezer. And I did And I take, it takes me maybe a half hour, which Mm -hmm. is so much less time than the back and forth. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? What do we have in the freezer? I don't know. I'll go look. What do you want for dinner? Oh my goodness, me. Right. So if I just take the half hour on Saturday or Sunday or whatever it is, it's much less time. But oh, every time it's like time to do the menu, I'm like, oh, I hate this task. And I know every woman I know has a task or 10 that she does to manage her family and support and house that she just loathes. And so the simple, I get to write the menu for the week. I get to, and I, I mean, my husband knows I walk around the house. I get to, he knows what I'm doing. He knows, Oh, we get to, we get to say, I get to, I do. He teases me all the time. It's great. I said, I, I get to, I get to write a menu for the week. I get to. Like, how lucky am I that I get to write a menu for the week? How (laughs) lucky am I that I get to even choose what we're having for dinner tonight? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you know that when you say that, it puts things really in perspective. Do you know that there are people who actually don't, can't, are not allowed to have that privilege? Absolutely. And they are the wives and the mothers in their homes. Mm -hmm. And they don't get to, they don't get to choose what is bought as grocery. They are not allowed to have input into the grocery. They're only allowed to do the cooking, to do the cleaning and all of that. When we say I get to for things that we think are mundane, Mm -hmm. uh, just things that everybody gets to do. It's not really true that everybody gets to do this. And this is something that uh, a friend of mine was telling me, you know, as a North American parent, Many North American parents are serving their children. Mm-hmm. We cook, we clean, we do everything. And it's, it's quite different from some other cultures. Mm-hmm. And if you've been raised in another culture, like I was raised in another culture, I came to North America after the age of 40. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to, to become your children's maid, housekeeper, and all those things. You could actually start feeling um, not so happy about sure. those things they have to do. But the lady told me something. You need to be happy that you get to do those things. Mm-hmm. And another person mentioned how his child left home before grade 12 ended. Mm-hmm. And the child never got to finish grade 12. Right. Because the child was really giving a lot of trouble. So this other person was like, I must keep my child till she's, she finishes grade 12. Of course, the girl left immediately after she finished grade 12. But there's something about the difference. Mm-hmm. The person who had experienced their child leaving earlier, even though the child was, was really stressing out everybody, wished that they had gone the extra mile to mm-hmm. keep that child at home. So when we say we get to do things mm-hmm. for our children, 
I am a mother of a child, an angel that has gained their wings. Mm-hmm. My first child is a twin. So my twin child, one of them passed mm. a few months after she was born. I don't get to cook for that child. Mm. I never got to cook for her. I never got to choose her clothes mm-hmm. after she left this earth when she was like two months old. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get to have moments with her that I can have with her twin sister. Mm-hmm. Every moment that we have with our children who, especially in North America where we serve them and mm-hmm. it's hard to serve mm-hmm. these children who are many times entitled, um, it's still a privilege. We still need to be able to say we get to mm-hmm. because if things go the other way or if you meet a parent who doesn't, who doesn't have that privilege, mm-hmm. maybe you understand what it means to what it is as a privilege that we get to do this thing. So I think this idea of saying I get to, especially when the task is not something you enjoy, mm-hmm. speaking it out. There's something that I heard about this idea of speaking it out. Mm-hmm. Because when you speak, you hear yourself. And where you when you hear yourself, your mind registers it. Maybe because you are the minister of happiness, you might be able to explain this a little bit more. The, the, the What happens when you speak out the positive? Sure. Well, it's what I refer to as the magic magnifying mind. And uh, people can't see this because we're on a podcast, but you can. And right here next to my desk is a magnifying glass. And a girlfriend of mine gave it to me because it reminds me that when I focus on the good, the good gets bigger. It multiplies. When I focus on the bad, the bad gets bigger. It multiplies. Now, that's not to say to ignore the bad or pretend that the bad isn't there because sometimes the bad is. But when I spend my day focused on it, it will continue to grow. And so I get to choose where I put my focus, that I always have power over. Even if I'm having a total fatigue episode as a result of my chronic illness, or even if my kid is totally losing it over here, like I have a choice where I'm going to put my focus. Oh, so sweet. We get to choose where we put our focus and whatever we focus on gets bigger. Absolutely. And people say to me, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. Hmm. We always have a choice. And hmm. if you if you question that, I would encourage you to go read, you know, um, Victor Frankl's book. Hold on. I've got it right here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Go read Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Hmm. And he talks about the choices, the mental choices he made in the concentration camps during World War II. Mm. And that we always have a choice where we're going to put our thoughts and our focus because people can't take that from us. Mm. There's no amount of trauma. There's no amount of violence. There's no amount of rejection. There's no amount of anything that can actually take that away from us. So good. I just want to move us on to when you began this practice what happened what happened to your life you know I think that I would say that it's you know 
for many years, it was sort of a two steps forward, one step back, right? Mm -hmm. So there would be progress, 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 and then something would come up and it would remind me of the old days. And I would feel like, am I going backward? And then I would remind myself of that practice. No, right? Just what if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this divine wisdom was leading you to the absolute best days of your life? And so the journey, and I would say that I remember the moment explicitly. So it had been about two years of really actively participating and practicing the science of happiness practices, following the seven scientific elements of happiness. Like it just, it was about two years of being as consistently inconsistent, but persistent as I could be. And I was on a plane and I hadn't seen beauty in a long time. I sort of thought that beauty had left my life. And I was on this plane and I looked out the window and there were these big, beautiful, bushy clouds against this sparkling blue sky. And it was so exquisite and so beautiful. And I could see it as beautiful for the first time in like two years in my life. I had been in such a dark place and I'm on this plane. I don't even remember where I was going to or from. And I just started bawling because I saw beauty. Something looked spontaneously beautiful to me again. Wow. And, and I remember this feeling like, oh, that door is not shut forever. It's going to come back. Right? And so if you were listening to this and you were in the darkness, don't give up. Don't. It takes so much longer than we want it to, so much longer than we think it should, so much longer than we think we can hold on for. But I remember that feeling like, oh, the door is not closed forever. And I started, and I have this phrase, I say, where you see God, mark the spot and visit it often. And again, mm -hmm. if the word God is not your thing, put beauty, put physics, put whatever in there you want. My dog, right? I, I say that because I have someone where really their dog is their God for sure, right? <laughs> so whatever it is, put it in there. But where you see God, mark the spot and visit it often. And so I started looking for beauty. I started looking for these moments of divine wisdom in my life, very personal to my life. And surprise, surprise, they started to multiply. Ooh. They started to multiply because I was looking for them. And so I would say things. One of the science of known science of happiness hacks, if you will, if you say out loud three gratitudes, very first thing, your feet hit the ground, you say out loud three things that you are grateful for for 21 days. Try it. Just try it and let me know if you feel any different at the end of it. But there is something about this process of saying it out loud that allows your conscious to hear it, hold it, elevate it within. And there's a whole science and I'm, I'm not an expert in this. I know just enough to be like super confusing, but there's a whole science about... <laughs> Uh, or maybe messy is a better word, right? Um, there's a whole science behind brain plasticity 
and neurons that fire together, wire together. So when I take a concept, an idea, and I use it in multiple modalities, I say it, I write it, I see it, I put it on a piece of art, and then I look at the art. I do that while I'm burning my most favorite grapefruit essential oils, right? So we we enhance every possible sense. Mm. The neurons in our brain are going to fire and wire together, but we have to do that consistently enough over a period of time in order to rewire some of those neurons. It's so good. <laughs> and so the saying it out loud piece yeah. is another element of that. Wow. Is there anyone who wants to join us on the 21 day theme? Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Me let a us know. And let's do it. Because right. this is so good. We all deserve to be happy. God created us to be happy. I spoke with someone who said that that's it. We were not brought here to be sad and gloomy and doomed to failure. We are on earth to enjoy the life that we have. And anything that will help us enjoy it, I think we should all grab it and not let it go. So finally effing happy. Mm -hmm. Shannon is finally effing happy and she's helping other people get to that place. I would say that last piece, and I think that that's important in that darkness, as well as throughout the last 15 years of my life in particular, um, I have asked the universe, um, how can I take my struggle Hmm. and put it to good purpose? Use my struggle for good purpose. How can I be of service with the darkest parts of my story? Now, when you're in the darkness, when I'm in the darkness, I want to hide. I don't want anyone to see how dark it is. Uh And I made a conscious decision in that journey. And I make a conscious decision with my chronic illness, right? How can I put it to good use? If I have to live with this chronic condition, put it to good purpose. If I have to have had that horrible childhood, put it to good purpose. And something about just the spiritual axiom of being willing to offer this horrible part of my journey and say, how can I be of service with it? Mm. And somehow that has helped to take the sting out of it Uh so that I can connect with you and I can connect with other women. And as I love you in your struggle, I can come to love me. It's for me, it's not the other way around. It's not like I have to love me before I can love you. Actually, Mm. it's so much easier for me to love you. Mm. So how can I get busy loving you, listening to your story, helping you, honoring your journey, because that allows me to listen to me Mm. honor my journey. So good. So good. I'm so happy. Now I'm finally effing happy. There you go, baby. There you go. I can talk to you all day long and you and I, our cheeks would be hurting because we're smiling so hard. So good. So if you're out there and Mm -hmm. your life seems to be messy, chaotic, Mm -hmm. 
bad relationships, either with your spouse, your family, other family members, maybe your children, because there's something about parent-child conflict. It can be very debilitating, especially for parents, maybe also for children, but I'm a parent, so I can't speak for the children very well, but I can speak for parents, how heartbreaking it can be. Or you are going through a chronic illness, Mm -hmm. or financial challenges, any type of challenge, if Shannon can do it, so can you. Mm -hmm. That's what this podcast is about. It's about sharing those stories so that we can know that if it can happen for one, it can happen for all. Yes, it can. So if you're in that situation, I want you to please reach out. Shannon's, there'll be links to um, her contact details. If you want to bring some happiness into your situation, while the changes begin to occur, give her a call, send her an email, DM her on her social media, and let's see. And when it changes, give us a DM to let us know that you reached out to Shannon and this happened. It's always good for us to know. So Shannon, great things have happened to you since you started to practice this. Not only are you sharing it with other people impacting their lives, but your own life Mm -hmm. has impacted would you be able to give us one or two, you know, reports of sure. the outcome of being happy again? Well, I will tell you that um, I am crazy in love with my husband of now eight years. And we've been together 11 years, something like that. Um, just a, a crazy, healthy, happy, loving, caring relationship, which is so far beyond anything I could have ever imagined for myself. Um, I have four children, three of whom are launched and independent and living their lives. And they still talk to us and love to come visit for the holidays. And so all of that is good. Um, I have this business that is building and blossoming and supporting women in a way that is so meaningful, so authentic, so heartfelt through just real life reality that's intense. Life is intense, but how to bring some levity and some joy and some heartfelt connection to that. And so so many layers and levels of, I think the other piece that's really important is I really like me. I really like me. I don't even know where that came from, but it just felt really important to say, like, I am comfortable in my own skin today. I'm okay with me. And that, that's miraculous. That's miraculous. It is. Yeah, it is. Many of us struggle with not loving ourselves and Mm -hmm. this just brings it home. I just, I don't know. Do you want to just give one word to our listeners to encourage them? Just, I know that you have to go. I don't want you to go, but you have to go because that's life. We meet and we part again. But please leave your parting words to those who are listening, to encourage that woman who is listening, to encourage that person who has a sister, a friend, an auntie, a mom who needs to hear this. Yeah. Keep going. Don't give up. You are a bright, beautiful, precious you and keep going. No matter how dark it gets, keep going because there will be that moment 
when you look out that window and you see those beautiful white clouds against the blue sky and you just spontaneously fill with a, oh, it's so beautiful. The door is never closed completely and forever. It will open again. Just don't give up. Keep going. Grab our hands, stay close, and keep going. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's been a pleasure having you here. And like you said, keep going. The door is never shut. It is an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're a woman who has a story to share about being in the mess and how messy couldn't stop you, you can send me a DM because we want to hear from you. And if you have any comments about this episode, please DM me and let us know your thoughts about what we've discussed and how you're going to apply some of these tips that Shannon has shared. Thank you so much for listening to the Messy Can't Stop Her podcast. And I want you to know, Messy can't stop you. Have a great day. See you very soon.